The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boyd came to give him life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. That's on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Welcome to the May 13th edition of One Nation Live. This is Rich. I am your host. One time for the real ones. It is Mother's Day. One time for all the mothers in the world. Um, thank y'all for putting up with our dusty asses, raising our dusty asses, having children by our dusty asses, everything else um, that has to, uh, to go do uh, with Mother's Day and all that. I'll be hanging out with my mom a little bit later. Uh, if your mom is not in your life, make an attempt to get in hers. Um, if you're if you lost your mom um that's an unfortunate situation for today um but think about her and what she wants you to be doing um today <clears throat> but um a couple things to go over um always remember this is one nation radio of the social suplex podcast network uh we are an independent podcast network and our budget comes from word of mouth the only way we're going to reach more people is with your help and by sharing the show and rating it and make sure you guys check out all the other shows on the network he added another show recently um, called grown men watch this shit so y'all need to check that out it's hosted by um chris in australia uh chris bryan that is and uh i i his name escapes me at the moment, but is Jeremy Vanderbeek, I think. I think Jeremy's his first name, so um, you'll have to check it. James Vanderbeek on Twitter, I, I, I follow him, but I don't remember the name. Uh, also, we got the Wrestling Watch, uh, Outsider's Edge, Ricky and Clive show, Keeping It Strong Style, and of course, One Nation Radio, but let's get to it, man. Um, so, I was just thinking about a couple things here today, and I just had a question. For you guys, and it sounds like a good idea to me, based on everything I've been seeing this year. Should Seth Rollins be the new top star in WWE? And if not, why? Because when I look at it, he has all the things you essentially would want from your top star. He's got the wrestling. Let's just take a look at what he's done this year on pay-per-view. Um, he was in that tag team match at the Royal Rumble, so we'll give him a little bit of slack there. But um, he had the awesome lead up uh, going up to the Elimination Chamber with the matches against John Cena, Roman Reigns, and Elias in the gauntlet match. Where he wrestled for like 65 minutes or some shit. Um, he was awesome in the opener WrestleMania. He's the new Intercontinental Champion. He had that classic with The Miz last week. This guy's firing on another level right now. Um, and what's happening is 
you know, <clears throat> when you, you have those type of knee injuries and everything like that, it kind of takes you a while, no matter what, to get back to that form. Um, regardless of what the doctors say, hey, you're, you're good to go to run out there. There's still some up top that I felt like was affecting Rollins for a couple years. And he was and I, you know, had come on this show many times and I was like, well, he's kind of like a, a pitcher that used to throw 100, but now he throws like 96 or 95. And I don't know if he's going to have to start developing the off-speed stuff. But what we're seeing here is a magnificent return to form with Seth Rollins because this dude has decided, you know what? I'm a babyface now. The crowd is rooting for me. And I'm about to show out. And that's what he's been doing all year thus far. I think he's been the wrestler of the year in WWE. Um and of course, like this, this dude has been around forever, essentially, like since 2012, he's gone through many character changes and he has the, the crowd supporting him, whether he's a heel, he gets the right reaction, whether he's the baby face, he's now figured that out to where he is getting the right reaction. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to the crowd support, he's not someone that you have to worry about sending out there and the whole building getting hijacked. Rollins has people into him by his performance and also by who he is because once they closed that loophole of him with Dean Ambrose there was nothing else to hold over Seth Rollins head you know he had to get through the Triple H thing where he had to be made to look a certain way but he is a guy that has kind of been he's always gotten a push to a certain extent but he's never ever failed you know regardless of what you know folks may say he's never failed um and he's shown more than one version of himself he's been the chicken shit champion that you know everyone feels like they can beat but i would tell people that were critical of that first reign of Seth Rollins yes they made him look like shit on tv for a lot of times they sent him out there for 20 minute promos that got old and boring as fuck but when the pay-per-view came, you know what you were getting with Rollins. You were getting at least a four-star match at a main event level, and the shit was going down. Like, you can just watch the matches that he had at uh, Clash of the Champions with Cena and then Sting. You can look at the SummerSlam match. You can look at his uh, matches with Kevin Owens. This dude was coming to play, or that was a little bit later. Um, uh, during that time, he had a match with Neville, I believe, on TV. It was crazy. This version of him is like, um, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're watching the NBA, you see um, guys peak at certain times, like LeBron, for example. Right now, he's at another career peak, some people would argue. Um, like, before that, I would thought, you know, like, 2009, 2010 was the first time we really saw him turn it up right there. Then he got to another level, like, around 2013. And then now, this is like another version. And I feel like with Seth Rollins, this is like the babyface version of him that we all want to love right now, who's producing every week. He has a match with Kevin Owens coming up tomorrow night, which should be awesome uh, if they don't get in the way. He's such a great heel, and he's finally learned how to be a great face. So why not Seth Rollins being the top star of WWE? Get Brock Lesnar the fuck out of here. Get Reigns the fuck out of here. Rollins is where it's at. That's, that's what it you know feels like right now, and... Honestly, I don't know a real what a real argument for him wouldn't be. Maybe you think he's, you know, he has an injury history, and, and you know you can say, yeah, we can't really build around Seth Rollins' knee and everything like that, and he does too much, and you know whatever. But for me, Seth Rollins is a guy 
that is a direct descendant of a Shawn Michaels, of a Randy Savage. He's all he's this era is that, but instead of going with how they've always done it, you know, they made Shawn Michaels the man at one point, but I don't know if he was necessarily ready for it. They made Rollins the man really early in his career, but right now I think if you gave him that opportunity, I think he would come through in the clutch over and over and over and be able to wrestle anybody. The dude wrestled Mojo Rawley last week and it was halfway decent. So um, if it's not Rollins, I don't know who. Um, if you look at his match resume this year, I think I think he is really on the verge of something special. I would leave the Intercontinental title on him until it was time for him to win the world belt and have him unified him shifts. Like, there's no one that needs to be beating that guy right now. So um, something else, speaking of beating guys and all that, Daniel Bryan lost this week on SmackDown Live. Now, I know many of you uh, may have expected me to come out here and absolutely blow my lid over WWE beating him on TV with no buildup. But that's not what happened. So I wrote a column this week uh, that's on lordsofpain.net, and it was called Chill. It's okay for Daniel Bryan to lose matches. And the, the deal was with it, to me, it felt like, oh, looks like we got a comment uh, from Brian. He said, don't forget his stamina of late two matches at the Rumble, the long gauntlet match, long time in the chamber, and in Mania, he's been in so many con- continents defending the belt. CrossFit Jesus in- indeed, yes. CFJ has returned, Brian. Um, this guy, uh, but back to Daniel Bryan, I thought the Daniel Bryan and Rusev match was kind of like the Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt match from 2014's Royal Rumble. Where Daniel Bryan was in a dude in there with a dude that was obviously bigger than him that the crowd was into for um, what you know one reason or another whether it's you know the Rusev Day chance or people just thinking the Wyatt family is cool because it first came on the scene. Obviously, we still wanted Daniel Bryan to win, but that's not what happened in the match. Um, Daniel Bryan led the dude through and did a lot of creative shit and everything meant something, and then he lost one two three in the middle. To me, that's not really a reason to be upset. Um, if you look at the situation, Daniel Bryan does not need to be in a Money in the Bank um, ladder match right now, especially with the Miz in there, potentially Sheamus, and of course all those ladders flying around. Folks can get hurt easy. I don't want Daniel Bryan smacking his head on a ladder and something ridiculous happening. So, and also, they were on SmackDown, and I wrote this in the column. The whole time that what they were trying to do was say, hey, you want Daniel Bryan to be in the Money in the Bank. Why? Because when the last time he was in Money in the Bank uh, in Chicago, like they're going to be coming up, he won this briefcase, right? But what they don't tell you was that briefcase win almost was like, it was not connected to anything at all. Um, they had him win that briefcase. You know what he did at SummerSlam? A job for Wade Barrett uh, in, in a nothing match. They literally <laughs> had no plans for this dude the day that he won uh, the the World Heavyweight title for the first time. He wasn't even scheduled to be there. Um, he happened to be in town for a book signing or something like that. And then WWE was like, hey, you got your gear? All right, come come your ass over here. We're going to have you cash it in uh, because, you know, Mark Henry's injured. And we're going to get the belt off him and give it to you and then start turning you. But this is not that situation. I don't want Daniel Bryan as a main eventer literally a living legend dropping out of the sky going to the top in a money in the bank match and if he's not going to win the match i don't necessarily see a reason to waste a spot 
on it when you could have Daniel Bryan go in there in a single situation on pay-per-view and do his thing and go off and, you know, do it, whatever. Now, folks have been very critical of this, like, with good reason, I feel like, because, you know, in WWE, sometimes there is a self-fulfilling prophecy, If you position a guy a certain way, that is ultimately what he will become. You know, it if Daniel Bryan continues to be in these nothing feuds against dudes that aren't really, you know, moving the needle like that, like a big cast or something like that, then eventually Daniel Bryan, like you kind of almost are who you are aligned with in a sense. So they have to be careful with that. They can. They have to use these losses where they make sense. They have to continue from week to week to have something be like, yo, it's obvious Dan Bryan's not involved with the world title right now because the world title is involved in a nut-kicking contest with AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. But what Dan Bryan will be essentially is the biggest thing outside of the title picture until you put him in it. And anything else almost is pure lunacy. So I understand it from that angle. But if he loses a match, that is not a license to burn the building down right now. It's May. It's just, it's May. that We're not in the season of SummerSlam. We're not heading to Survivor Series. We're not, this isn't the Royal Rumble. We're not headed to WrestleMania. If he does a job for Rusev, a guy who's over, yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. The only other thing is don't book the match, which is a valid criticism because if you have two dudes that are over, why do you want them potentially, you know, fucking each other shit up? Why don't you have them beat the other dudes? I don't know, but I didn't flip out over it. um, And I thought, you know, it was a good thing that they went ahead and just just did it for real rather than having big cash jump out of nowhere and taking the low hanging fruit that would have came with that. Because I always wanted to see Brian versus Rusev because Daniel Bryan is good wrestling these big husky motherfuckers. Like he, something about the way he strikes and all that, it just it just works. Like he can wrestle like if you put him in there with Rollins or AJ, that's like one thing. But when he wrestles, he's he's a guy that excels wrestling these guys that you don't think necessarily have the chops in the ring like that. So I don't know, man. Like. It's such a sensitive thing with Daniel Bryan because he's such a star. He's so beloved. And you don't obviously, you know, think that he should lose ever at this rate. Like when you're that over, I think they just have to be smart. Don't get in the habit of beating him uh, like a drum because, you know, this cannot be be a trend. Because if you do that, then Daniel Bryan is just walk on your ass. And I'll be like, sure, leave. Like, his contract comes up in September. I haven't heard anything that he's re-signed anything. So I think this is a good, you know, summer and chance for Daniel Bryan to just pretty much fill them out, you know. Uh, have him, him come out there and say, hey, you know, let's see how you treat me. You know, what plans do you got for me? And then if they're like, you know, we really ain't got shit for you. We're just going to use you to put dudes over. Nah, bro. Go to New Japan. Go wrestle Matt Riddle. Go fight Suzuki. Go fight Okada. Go fight Omega. Go fight everybody. Because you, he's going to be so much hotter on the outside than being, you know, positioned to wrestle big casts. So I think they need to, uh, as I mentioned, just be careful with that and use those losses where they can. 
rather than using those losses because it's just something to do. So, um, see what we got. We got shout out to everybody tuned in and listening. Looks uh, like we had Ben in the building. We had Dylan. We had Dion, Omar, Brian, and Nick right now. Um, so, let's see. Um, the only other thing that about the Daniel Bryan stuff, <sighs> we've been here before. And I'm just going to read an excerpt from the column. If I haven't convinced you yet, think of it like this. Daniel Bryan's entire career has been a roller coaster. From being eliminated on NXT to being fired after the Nexus attack winning the WWE title. Or, excuse me, to being fired after the the from WWE after the Nexus attack. To winning the United States title. To getting snubbed at WrestleMania. To winning money in the bank. To cashing it in. Getting buried at WrestleMania 28. His loss spawned an organic, we're not going to take this shit anymore movement. He challenged, but he came up short in his championship pursuit after that. Then Team Hell No became the modern rock and sock connection. And then he proved he wasn't the weak link. Then he finally fucking won the world title when he beat Super John Cena. Clean, who hadn't lost to anyone except The Rock in years. So let's think about that. In 2013, John Cena... So, if we take it to WrestleMania 28, he does a clean job for The Rock. Hey, I have a new listener. The baby isn't even a day old, but is already a One Nation fan. Getting him educated. I saw that, Nick. Congratulations on having a child today. Um, Definitely. Uh, If you guys in the group listening, uh, make sure you go uh, check Nick out and tell him, you know, uh, good wishes on the new child uh, that he's just welcomed into the world. Him and his wife, I believe. Um, so yeah, man. Um, and glad to have another listener, Nick. Um, so what was I saying? WrestleMania 28. So John Cena does a clean job for The Rock, right? If you look the whole fucking year, John Cena doesn't do a clean job again. Not to CM Punk. Not to uh, Alberto Dorio, <laughs> not to Randy Orton. When he loses, he loses kind of in a TLC match, so he didn't get pinned or anything. So he went from WrestleMania 28 to SummerSlam of 2013 before somebody beat him. This is the guy that John, that Daniel Bryan went over on. So, and then after he goes over on that, he loses the belt immediately. So that put him in motion to author the greatest storyline that most of us have ever seen. From post-SummerSlam 2013 to WrestleMania 30, he lost it all due to injury, essentially after WrestleMania 30 happens. And when I say lost it all, I mean he loses his father. He loses his chance to compete. He loses his belt after that. And essentially he loses a whole half a calendar year um, that he could have spent, you know, enjoying the fruits and, you know, showing that he was the man, like, like Goldberg, how Bobby Heenan used to say, the man, like, that was Daniel Bryan, so, after that, he comes back, and then he gets screwed out of, like, multiple Royal Rumble wins, uh, in this process, that should have been his, he put over a guy that WWE chose over him in a classic, he won a title at WrestleMania, 
got injured, lost everything again, loses his career for good this time. Like, and this time it's because of concussions, and he loses the IC title again. He has to leave it in the middle of the ring. Then he gets forced, you know, into nearly a three-year retirement, you know, while all his fans never really lost faith in him. I promise, losing to Rusev on SmackDown in a Money in the Bank qualifying match is not the end of the world, everybody. If you are a ride-or-die Daniel Bryan fan, you've been here before, we will probably be there again. It will probably get worse before it gets better. But just try to remember what it feels like to be a Daniel Bryan fan. When these feuds are hitting, they're hitting like nothing else in wrestling. And I think that they will do the right thing with him over the summer. Because if not, I will be the first one advocating for Daniel Bryan to walk on their ass. Because... He don't need that shit, and neither, honestly, neither do we. So we'll, we'll follow Daniel Bryan right out the door uh, with him and, and support him elsewhere. So I don't know, man. I, I you know, it's it's a it's a thing right now to to kind of give WWE hell, and let's not act like they haven't deserved it because Backlash was a motherfucking disaster on all levels, essentially past the first twenty five minutes. The folks walking out the building to a literal one-star main event happening, the women's divisions, which we're going to talk about in a minute, mailing in one-star performances, Braun Strowman starting to look extra regular, Bobby Lashley is out here just kind of here, um, and then, of course, the nut-kicking. So we got more uh, to talk about, but, let, yeah, fuck it, let's just get into it now, like, um, the, the women's division. So um, I... <sighs> I'm noticing a couple things, and this has been something that I've been banging on ever since probably probably about a year ago now. Like when Alexa Bliss started her her ascent to being the top star in the division and being positioned as such. Actually, let's go through a couple comments. Um, Nicholas says, I hope they do right with Dan Bryan. I think WWE will just because it will make the money. I can't trust them to do it for natural reasons <laughs> i feel you man because like the thing with wwe is they have so much fucking money right now where they're bulletproof from all decisions it doesn't matter and it's it's almost kind of disheartening and it's almost like how do we even talk about this stuff because none of it li- literally matters because they're gonna keep making money and that cm punk promo keeps ringing true um it's like they're gonna make money despite themselves like they could be making so much more money like i don't know they, and you know when we come at this stuff especially on my podcast it is from a point of critical um you know analysis and being the voice of the fans trying to say, hey, we want to see the best for the wrestling company that we've all grew up watching. It's not just roll over and take it. It's not just, hey, if you don't like it, turn it off. No, we haven't we haven't watched this shit for this long for it to just fall into the fucking ocean creatively and become something unrecognizable. So, us offering these critiques are from a place of passion from a place of love and also a place of like yo get y'all shit together like if you never had a friend keep it a buck with you you don't really have friends like and 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 we're wwe's friends in this case we are keeping it a buck with them like yo this shit y'all doing this is whack y'all need to clean this shit up 
So, and, and that's like kind of our role in this thing. Uh, what's up, Kiara? Um, so, but yeah, let's get back to uh, these women's divisions. So, our champions right now are Nia Jax and Carmella. Nia Jax on Raw, Carmella on SmackDown. <sighs> I, I don't know where to begin. So, I think the time has come. And if it hasn't come already, um, it's going to happen soon. People are going to turn on Nia Jax. Uh, what up, Ricky? Um, yeah, Celsius and Cavs, who you got game one? Let me know. Um, yeah, Nia Jax, when they met her, cut that corporate-ass, uh, you know, unseasoned promo. It was just the epitome of corporate speak which just loses any regular person that's watching this. Um, whether you're a hardcore person, whether you're a person just tuning in, be like, hold on, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound natural. That doesn't actually sound like the person that would be saying this. Carmella, she's just not good. Like, flat out. And I don't know what it is with WWE and SmackDown right now. They have all these women lined up as heels that can't wrestle. So when it's time for these matches to happen... We're going to get pure bullshit. And I can only point at one person with this that has kind of changed the landscape. And essentially, she's not the worst one anymore. Because I feel like Carmella's way worse than Alexa Bliss. So, when Alexa essentially started replacing Charlotte on Raw as the top star of the division, they changed everything that, you know, the women's revolution came to define. These great, great matches we were getting out of Charlotte, Sasha, Becky, Bailey, Asuka. Um, you can moonlight uh, Natalia or Naomi in there, right? But <laughs> when that started happening, I was like, whoa, uh-oh. Old Divas era has Alexa Bliss out here. And then what do you know? It's opening the door for this other shit. So <laughs> when... Carmella comes out here with these one-star matches on pay-per-view with Charlotte. I can only blame, you know, I, I don't know who to blame in this sense, but it it just sucks. And I don't want to see this shit. This is awful. Um, they need to find a way to get the belt off of her. Um, it's a really, really sad uh, state of affairs with the women's division. Because if you look at it, what the fuck has Asuka done since WrestleMania? Anyone got an idea? Anyone seen her? Oh, okay. She she was in a losing tag team match. Um, <laughs> she was she's pretty much been off TV, and now she's cutting promos on winning Money in the Bank. Bitch, just go out there and and, and roundhouse kick uh, Carmella. Like you don't need a Money in the Bank briefcase. You're Oscar. Um, they beat Oscar at WrestleMania, right? They give the streak to Charlotte. The next pay per view, Charlotte comes out here and loses to Carmella clean. What was the point? Anyone got an answer? I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I think Carmella is, is a bad, bad decision. Um, <laughs> and and I think these matches and this shit's only going to get worse. And I'm going to be here letting y'all know, like, hey, y'all still riding with this shit? If you were Sasha Banks during that pay-per-view, you must have been furious. If you were Bailey watching that, knowing you were on the pre-show, you must have been furious. If you were Oscar, you must have been furious watching Charlotte and Carmella. Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax, that match, like, oh my god, just 
just dreadful. The referees were making up uh, counting rules as they went in the match to disguise all the things that were going on. I don't know, man. Something's not right. It's kind of feeling like the Divas era, and I definitely don't want that because I feel like the the women's division has the profile has been raised to such a level now that I don't want them to fuck it up at this at this point. And if they come out here and keep doing this, that's exactly what's going to happen. And we're all gonna be looking like, damn, they ain't never really jumped off Sasha versus Bailey. They ain't really never let Asuka get to that level again. Charlotte is still Charlotte. Where the hell is Becky Lynch? And we're going to talk about Becky Lynch in a couple minutes. Um, let's see. Natalia is, is, you know, linked with Rousey, so they're going to do whatever they're going to do, but that's not happening for a while. What's going on? And eventually, Ember Moon's going to have to start um, putting <laughs> these bad wrestlers over. And it's just like the the lowest common denominator booking that's happening to the women's division right now. We'll just put it on somebody that can, you know, talk somewhat decent. But all our matches are shit, and we'll use that to get her booed. I don't know, man. Like I said, none of this matters because the WWE will continue to market um, the women's revolution as this thing that's a part of their record-breaking stock prices and all that. So, no matter how bad it is, we'll just have to roll with it. But, you know, when you look at NXT and you have Shayna Baszler tearing it up down there as a champion, being better than both of your champions combined, I think there's an issue. So... It's going to be interesting to see who uh, Nia Jax's next opponent is because a babyface monster champion, it can get tricky on how you do it. You can have her just run through people, but then the answer is, who does she wrestle? Um, I feel like she's staring Ruby Riot and the Riot Squad in the face. Uh, she'll be going over Liv Morgan one week. She'll be going over Sarah Logan the next. And possibly, I think... Uh, Ruby Riot will be the one that ends up taking the belt off her when they cheat, cheat, cheat uh, to to make her go nuts and, and they'll get the belt off her in a rather short period. But I ask, where is Sasha and Bailey in all this? They are stuck in the never be, the never begin stop start feud of the century. The Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, WrestleMania, getting back together. Falling out, fighting each other backstage, reuniting, getting jumped by both of them. I don't know. Maybe I'll want to run it at this point. But I don't know, man. They, you know, I only talk about this shit. So let's see. Um, and by the time Sasha and Bailey happens, will people care? That's another thing. Because they have kind of been so devalued in letting. Well, not letting. They've been so devalued by Sasha, or excuse me, by Nia and Alexa taking center stage there, by the Riot Squad showing up, by Ember Moon showing up. It's like, come on, you, you've got you've got the hottest feud that you can do, just kind of bubbling. I can only hope, and this is hope, that <laughs> one of them wins the women's money in the bank, right, and the other one wins the championship at some point. 
and they get a chance, and it's almost a situation like with Bailey, for example. We can have Bailey win that shit and announce that she wants to fight whoever the champion is, and she's gonna cash it in straight up like a good guy at WrestleMania or excuse me at SummerSlam. And maybe she gets the belt off of um, you know Ruby Riot, who can have be a transitional champion, who can drop it to Sasha Banks, and then they go back to Brooklyn with Sasha versus Bailey. And I say that because it you know and it is still a long time before we get there, so. They're stuck spinning their wheels, and it's so unfortunate because they're not going to get the TV time to really develop this shit, and they're going to have to really get creative, and that's why they're probably putting them back together right now to end up having a little mini squabble with the Riot Squad and all that, but I don't know, man. Um, Becky Lynch, something's happening, everybody, and I came on the show last week saying, yo, the the heel women wrestlers are, are so weak on SmackDown, right? She's clearly behind Sasha, or excuse me, Charlotte, Asuka, and arguably Naomi at this point. But they're focusing on her a little too much. I think Becky Lynch is going to be turning, and I think they need to make it actually important. So I'd actually, like, keep going with this, like... Bring her to money in the bank. Let her get screwed. Let her just keep losing because that's all they seem to know how to do with Becky Lynch is just beat her. And with Becky Lynch, this will also go down as like another failed babyface from NXT that people love and want to cheer for that you have to fucking turn. Joining Shinsuke Nakamura. Joining Sami Zayn. I, I don't get it. I don't know why it's so hard to figure out how to use baby faces. Because people already like them. Half the job is done already. Just let them go out there and beat people. It's really not hard. You had Bruno fucking San Martino. <laughs> figure it out. Um, I don't know, man. And this isn't a problem, the bad wrestling heel problem. That's not exclusive to the women because there's plenty of stanking ass dudes that's just getting by on being bad wrestlers for the source of their heat. And that's kind of like the thing with the Roman and gender thing that's going to be interesting is if people are going to actually cheer for Jinder Mahal in this case, if they do, and it seems like they kind of did last week, but I want to watch a couple more cities. If Roman Reigns can't get cheered against Jinder Mahal, what do you do? Someone tell me. Oh, it doesn't matter because they have record-breaking stock prices. Sorry, sorry. Um, so, yeah, man, let's get into some of these questions that I have um, that, that were submitted. Looks like we have a question from Kyle Morris. He says, if All In is a sellout, how do you think it will affect the industry as a whole? Honestly, I don't really know if it will affect the industry that much rather than, like, yo, these dudes were able to do this shit. Now, if this is, like, All In becomes an annual thing and it's, like, indie WrestleMania and they hold it in the second half of the year, like, far away from WrestleMania to where it doesn't have to compete and it can kind of be its own thing. Because, mind you, people travel to all these, you know, events. And I think that's something to take into account when um, looking at the ticket sales for the latest New Japan um, stuff for San Francisco. Because it's like, yo, people went to Long Beach. They went to New Orleans. They went to, um, at this rate, um, there's a CEO show that's coming uh, to for New Japan in Florida that I'm going to. 
at this rate, people will be planning to go to Money in the Bank. That's a lot of, like, you know, travel for fans. So, All In being in September, I think that's an excellent thing. And it could potentially change the industry as a whole because they would put themselves in a position, and this being Cody and the Young Bucks, to where they (laughs) have made their own attraction and their own destination. So it can only be good for wrestling if they do well. And I think um, they they have all the momentum uh, set up to do well with Okada coming, with Omega, with Cody, with the Bucks, with Pentagon, with all the women's wrestlers that are coming, like Chelsea Green and um, what's her name? Tessa Blanchard and uh, Santana Garrett, I think, is, is all in? I'm not sure. Um, but they've also got it to where it's more than a wrestling event. They have the podcast thing with all the whole thing that can kind of act as their WrestleCon, which is called StarCast. I think that this could be, you know, a game-changing thing in a sense. So another question from Kyle Morris. He said, what can WWE do to fix the way they book baby faces and stop alienating their fan base? This is a very complex question because when you look at how they book baby faces, right? Now, how many of them actually get booed? Let's take a look at that. We've got Roman Reigns, obviously, who's a baby face, who gets booed. Who else gets booed? Anyone? Like, Nia Jax got some light boos recently. Uh, Bailey, people just don't believe in as much. I think that's kind of what happens. People start losing hope in these people. And why do they lose hope? Because they fucking beat them and make them look like geeks and screw job them and turn them and ruin them. So, the way they need to fix these baby faces is they need to just start letting them win. Why? Because people like winners. And if the winners are the heels... That it's like what's left for the baby faces at this point because what do the heels get? Let's take a look. They get the cooler personalities. They get more focus outside the ring. They get more focus inside the ring because the way wrestling matches are done in WWE, heels usually lead the matches. So they get to win them too. They, this can't happen. This is a recipe for fucking up your baby faces. And I think what they need to do, Kyle is start letting their baby faces open up cans of whoop-ass and just start writing for them. And these, these heels, these guys are secondary in in the um, in the story of WWE. You cannot have all these phenomenal wrestlers getting fucking <laughs> outsmarted and outworked by these non-wrestling-ass cheating motherfuckers. Like, that is, is stupid. I don't know, man. Um, so, I... I I don't think they have a problem like in getting a lot of them cheered. I think what happens is folks just lose faith in them. And then the office loses faith in them. Like, oh, yeah, we can't ever really go with Sami Zayn. No, you could have went with Sami Zayn. You could have just let him started, let him win and have great matches. Why? Because I've seen it work before. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I And Bailey's also on that list from NXT, which I think they may eventually turn and say, oh, well, it just didn't work for whatever reason. Y'all fucked it up. So, um, and this leads into our next question um, from Nick. Why do you think WWE mishandles a lot of the NXT call-ups? I think that they try to reinvent the wheel with it. They're like, yeah, we did it in NXT, but we have to tell the story for our audience. And our, meaning Vince McMahon, saying that stuff. If you look at Ember Moon right now, she was... 
she kind of feels like she's just in the middle to me because if you're not um in title in in the title picture essentially as a woman you're you kind of don't have any room to do anything and i feel like oscar's kind of in the same boat right now if we look at the the uh men's side you know drew mcintyre's in a tag team i think the only reason he's in a tag team right now is because they don't want to show their hand that early with him i don't know why almas hasn't shown up until what will be this week i mean that's fine you know they you know, it just feels like they don't have a real plan for a lot of these folks when they call them up. We'll just coast on the fact that we have a debuting superstar. Like, they didn't let Nakamura really show up or have anything meaningful for over a month by that time. And they're kind of heading that way with Almas. I'll reserve judgment till I see what he actually does. But if he comes out here and he's wrestling jobbers and not really focused on anything... We're going to have an issue. I, I feel like him and Daniel Bryan should be a match that happens uh, relatively soon or later. Like, whether you want him to beat Daniel Bryan or whether you want Daniel Bryan to defeat him in a great match. Both of those options work with me. I think WWE gets in a position where Vince is like, I can't have this NXT group just coming in and and bum rushing my main roster because i've pushed them i've spent these amount of marketing dollars on these folks and i plan to integrate these folks in when i when i can but not yet like i don't want to commit to any of them yet because i don't trust them for whatever reason and that's like me speaking as vince so um ricky had a good question he said five years from now who will be the biggest star in wwe that's an amazing question because when you say who's a big star in WWE, let's take a look at who the big stars are now. You got Brock Lesnar, you got John Cena, you got Ronda Rousey, you got maybe Roman Reigns, you've got Daniel Bryan, you've got Triple H. So maybe you got Seth Rollins because he get, he got a really good reception over in um. Uh, Saudi Arabia maybe their next <laughs> the the biggest star from now isn't on the roster I don't know that's a really tough question um, if it was me like I said earlier in the show I would put the house behind Seth Rollins right now because he's so versatile he can do so many things and he's essentially your guy now Seth Rollins is a WWE guy and he's come back from injury He's shown an ability to get over both ways. What's not to love about Rollins? He's and he's still youthful. So disregarding them getting like Kenny Omega or Matt Riddle or something like that, I think you're gonna be looking at Reigns if they keep pushing him the way that they are, if they give him like eight straight WrestleMania main events, it would kind of be hard be hard not to be a star at that point, right? Um you got Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, possibly like Omega, Riddle, or maybe Brian if he stays and they do the right things with him and the energy that his ascension will create again. I don't see Lesnar sticking around that long. Triple H is going to be really old by that point. Cena will probably be on a once a year schedule. I don't really see him, you know, being that kind of, you know, star. But you're looking at a couple guys. Brian. Rollins, Reigns, 
maybe Drew McIntyre because he's young also and they like the way he looks and all that. So, um, last question. Does WWE hurt themselves long-term by not letting people get over naturally when they start? And this is from Nicholas Guerrero. Um, does WWE hurt themselves long-term by not letting people get over naturally or when they start getting momentum, uh, killing it? For example, Braun, Rusev. I think what happens is what when they fail to capitalize on these on this momentum, they always try to manufacture it later, and it's never the same. So, yes, it does hurt them long-term. Had they gone with Dean Ambrose, you know, going into WrestleMania 32 to win a world title or do something like that, that would have felt so much better than him cashing that shit in like four months later. If they would have went with Braun Strowman winning the belt at the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania, it would feel so much better than it does right now. Like, look at Strowman right now and then look at him him in January or February going into Elimination Chamber and tell me he's the same. Prom- lie to me and tell me he's the same. He's not because he's been doing this whole these whole nothing tag team matches with Bobby Lashley while kind of waiting for the next real thing to develop for him. This is um, like, for example, Elias is over right now. It's been an open secret. Elias, not my cup of tea. The whole thing like the fake rock concerts and below average wrestling, not really my deal. But this guy's over. So what do they do to him? They have him get his ass whooped like a geek at WrestleMania. They have him, his segments get hijacked. And they did this whole 20-minute deal at the Backlash show where he ends up taking the move of Bobby Roode, who's not a star in the future, who's really not much of anything aside from an entrance and a catchphrase. Elias has so much more going for him on instead of Roode, and what do they want to do? They want to kind of divert him towards Roode and not let him wrestle. They need to take advantage of this guy. And what they need to do is get him in there with the best wrestlers. Like, I think Elias and Seth Rollins need to fight at some point this year. And we need to really see if Elias can rise to the occasion and convert somebody like me. Because he's got everyone else. It looks like, it feels like he, you know, he has something around him that folks are digging. And I don't know what, I can't quite put my finger on it, but he has a size, he has a look, and he has a gimmick. So... If he can get the wrestling there, too, maybe you've got a big star. But WWE will... They will go ahead and just let people be over the way they want them over rather than giving in to a Rusev or a Braun. Um, there is no reason... <laughs> now, Rusev just got his big win this week against Daniel Bryan, right? That comes after how long? That comes after not giving him the tag team titles with Aiden English back in December. That comes after not letting him go deep into the Royal Rumble. That comes after not letting him get into the Elimination Chamber. Uh, or excuse, excuse me, not the Elimination Chamber. The um, six-man match and beating him with Shinsuke Nakamura. And trying to redirect Rusev's energy to Nakamura. That comes after inserting him into the United States title match just to beat him with Jinder Mahal. Who promptly loses the belt eight days later. Um, and, and that comes after never turning him babyface that entire time. Um, despite what it felt like, because it, it did feel like he was babyface for a little bit, but he really wasn't. So this, and that also comes after, um, him get literally getting put in a coffin by the undertaker, uh, which, which signaled his burial. So now that you want to give Rusev this big win, it's like, great. 
Cool. He's in the Money in the Bank match. Is he going to win that too? Because if not, that win was for nothing. So, I think they get themselves in trouble a lot. And what happens is they just end up in these situations where it's like, shit, we don't have anybody ready. When you could have had three or four guys ready at this point. But... They have they're so one track minded in a sense, and that's how we end up going into WrestleMania. And it's like, wow, everyone's got a kind of chance, you know. Like everyone else's chance seemed like it was, you know, they were getting hot at all these other times. But when it comes to WrestleMania, they're not prominently positioned, and they all got to fall in line behind Roman Reigns. So they kind of miss it. They miss the wave on a lot of folks, and. Honestly, I think it's good for them to miss the wave. Why? Because if they can just snap their fingers and heat somebody up, right, then they have way too much control. And that's just not an era that we live in anymore. Because, in my opinion, the best kind of reactions come from WWE kind of dangling it in front of our face and us pouncing on it. Like, yes, that's what we want. Not, here, you want this, you want this, you want this. Nah, not really, like, that That doesn't kind of work <laughs> for us. Because remember, we're the fans. Like, I, I, I want the best wrestling possible. And seeing dudes that are over and folks that are putting on good shows and good segments and shit just going the way it's supposed to go. The matches are not supposed to be hijacked. That just happens when the crowd is at their wit's end with a company that feels like they're not being listened to by. So... Yes, they hurt themselves a lot, Nicholas. So <laughs> hopefully I answered your question there. But that's going to wrap up One Nation Live today. Um, thank you guys for listening uh, on Mother's Day. And shout out to all the mothers listening to this show. Uh, if you have children, if you plan to have children in the future, uh, shout out to the dads that are that are playing both roles. You know, never know if, if someone lost their significant other or something like that. So, um but yeah man make sure you guys check out the rest of the social suplex podcast network including the wrestling wash the outsider's edge ricky and clive wrestling show keeping it strong style grown men watch this shit which is a new indie podcast and of course one nation radio we've been here forever we're not going anywhere um or i'm not going anywhere at least james i don't know where james is uh, today so <laughs> um We'll probably be doing something that has to do with the NBA Finals and all that coming up when that gets popped off. But thank you guys for listening, and I'll see y'all next week or later this week. Peace. Thank you for listening to One Nation Radio. We'll see you next time.